Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you. If we haven't met before, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors of the church. If you weren't with us earlier, uh, just some information. This is a properly live preach, so there's no editing out of all of my mistakes today. You get it warts and all, but it's great to be with you. Um, uh, Just a heads up, if you're watching on YouTube... You may also want to get Facebook open today because we're doing some live polls throughout my preach, okay? And so you might want to have both open. If you're watching YouTube, I want to tell you get Facebook open on another device uh, and just engage with us during that. That would be great. Uh, We are currently in week seven and our penultimate week of our Rooted series before we move into our Christmas campaign. And we have looked over the past few weeks at some of the what's and the how's of being rooted in Christ. And so today we're going to switch a little bit and we're going to look at one of the reasons why we need to be rooted in God. So why should we get rooted? Why should we be strong in our faith? Why should we be sturdy in our faith? But first, let me ask you a question. What is your version of being ready? Let me explain what I mean. If I said to Mrs. Ireland, who is my wife, if I said to to her, be ready by 4pm, for example, my version of ready is to be standing by the door, keys in my hand, completely ready to walk out the house, or I'm probably already in the car with the engine on by 4pm. My wife's version of ready is a little bit different. She's got her outfit on and she's got her hair done. She still needs to uh, find her shoes. She still needs to go to the toilet. She still needs to make sure that there's no washing up in the washing up bowl. She still needs to make sure that the baby bag is sorted. She still needs to go and fluff the pillows in the front room. She still needs to put a jacket on. She still needs to then go to the toilet for a second time. And then she's about ready. So if you are on Facebook, there should be a Facebook poll coming up any moment, and I need you to engage in that poll. What is your version of ready? Are you are I'm ready on time kind of person, or I'm most likely early, or are you, I ain't turning up till 15 minutes before I'm supposed to be there at the very earliest. So engage with us on our Facebook poll if you could. And so, uh, obviously, I was joking a little bit. My wife is not that bad. She's, she's, she's got a lot better in the six years that we've been married anyway, that's for sure. Uh, but it'd be great to know what your version of being ready is. And it's really important that as Christians, we are also ready because we see in the Bible, we see in a few places in the Bible that we are actually told to be ready for a few different things. And our rootedness in Jesus, our rootedness in our faith, uh, is actually key to being ready for these things. But what are we supposed to be ready for, I hear you ask? Well, let us expand a little bit further. We're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew 24. If you haven't got your Bibles with you, that's absolutely fine, uh, because all of the Bible verses will be on your screen. But we're going to uh, open our Bibles to Matthew 24, and we're going to read from verses 44 in a second. 
Some real quick context for this verse. Jesus is speaking to some of the religious leaders at the time, his disciples and probably a crowd. Uh, and he's giving some, uh, some wisdom about what it means uh, for, for, for what our world will look like when our, when our world ends. Some people call it the second coming. Some people call it judgment day. Some people call it the end times. There's a few names for it. But Jesus has been explaining by this point that there are some signs to come. And as we know, signs point directions. They are not the end point. But Jesus is saying that there's going to be some signs to look out for. We're not going to discuss what all of those signs are or whether we're in, we see those signs in our, in, our, in our world right now. But we're going to talk about what it means to be uh, ready. So let's just read those verses together. It says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of a house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept, he would have, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour where you do not expect him. And so, it's really important that we as Christians remember that Jesus is coming back. And it's so easy for us as Christians to get complacent in this. The early Christians would have been waiting for him to come back whilst they were still alive. Those Christians, those people who had committed their lives to Jesus whilst he was still on this earth. The guys that would have, who have ate with him, that would have uh, um, had meals with him, that would have walked with him, that would have lived with him, that would have done life with him. Those guys would have expected Jesus to be coming back whilst they were still alive. And so we're here 2,000 odd years later. And Jesus hasn't come back yet. So it's kind of understandable that we have got complacent in this. But Jesus calls us to be ready. At the start of those verses, uh, those verses Jesus says, therefore, keep watch. And it's the same Greek wording of where we get the, the, the term watchman from. And so God is called, Jesus is calling us to be watchmen and watch women. And a watchman or a watchwoman in a military capacity, in a military term, is someone who stood on the walls of a castle or at the top of a barracks or on an outlook post looking out to perceive the threat of danger in the distance. A watchman was also someone who patrolled the dark, unlit streets of London in the 1200s and who tried to keep the public safe from the danger that they faced when night came. The greatest characteristic of a watchman or a watchwoman needs to be alertedness. We need to be alert if we are going to be the watch men and watch women that God is calling us to be. And a watch woman or a watch man doesn't need to just be alert for a short amount of time. They need to be alert for a continued amount of time. They need to be face faithful to the task that they've been given, even if it seems unlikely that the threat that they're looking for is going to arrive. 
A watchman uh, or a watchwoman's alertedness was key. Their alertness was key to their success in accomplishing their given task. And so, with knowing that, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we living in a similar manner? We're not living as watchmen or watchwomen for oncoming danger. Far from it. We're looking for the day for Jesus to be coming back. We need to be living our lives with readiness that that day could just be tomorrow. We need to live in that state of readiness. And when we live in that state of readiness, it should affect everything that we do. Imagine the changes that you and I would make in our lives if we just realized that that today could be our last day on earth. I'd suggest that many of us would pause Netflix. I don't think anyone would be watching Netflix if they knew that it was their last day on earth. There would be a haste, a haste in our lives of telling our friends and our family and everyone that we came in contact with about the hope that we had in Jesus. I don't think we would be so concerned about some of the little things of what we do in our lives. You know, some of the things that we do in church as well. You know, some of the things like how we worship uh, and the style of worship or some of what our buildings look like. Other minor details like that. I don't think we would be concerned with those things if we lived in a true state of readiness for Jesus' return. Because we knew, we would know and we would live in our lives knowing that there was something more at stake. There was something more at stake than what our buildings and our songs look and sound like. There's so much more on stake by all of our hang-ups that we get hung up on in church life. You know, my dad passed away just over four years ago. And my dad wasn't a Christian And the day before he passed away, he was in a care home by this point because of the illness that he had. Uh, uh, He wasn't very well for a long, long time, could could barely speak. But the day before, I went and visited him, and he seemed particularly perky on this day. And we had a conversation about faith because he he, he joked that they were going to send the vicar in to read his last will and testament. And we were joking. I said, well, what would you have done? Would you have let him pray for you? And he turned around and he laughed and he looked at me and he said, no. Even considering his son was training to be a vicar at the time. Uh, And I kind of left it that day. uh, And I went back the next morning and I I saw him. I went to visit him three three, three or so times a day. And then I left and, and I never saw him again. He passed away that morning. And I wish, I wish I was more ready at that time to have that conversation with him. I wish I was more ready knowing that if he had just one day left on earth, I would have done that conversation so differently to how I did it that day. And so let us live our lives ready, knowing that this could be our last day on earth or Jesus could come back today or tomorrow because that will change every single thing that we do. It would have such a dramatic effect. It it takes over all of what we think, all of what we say. Let us live our lives ready. And we are so rooted in what Jesus says that we are ready for his return. 
the Apostle Peter also gives something else for us to be ready for. And this actually works really well with the previous point. In 1 Peter 3.15, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks you to explain the hope that you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Those of us who are naturally a little bit evangelistic uh, love these types of verses. Another version of that text says, Be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so... I need to ask you two questions this morning. And I want you to be really honest with your really honest with yourself because unless you're honest with yourself this just won't work. First question I want to ask you revolving that last verse that we read. Is anybody asking you about your faith? Is anybody asking you if you're a Christian? Uh, and, and if not, let's, let's look and let's, let's delve deep inside of us and ask why. Maybe you've become a Christian and you've just lost that love and the desire that you had for Christ when you first accepted him. Have you lost that, that burning passion that you had in your heart and your belly when you first met Jesus? It's a great opportunity for us to take stock and evaluate and seek God afresh again so that we can be rooted again in him. That verse in 1 Peter says, instead you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Do you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life again? Because when you make him the Lord of your life, when you get rooted in him afresh, people will see Jesus in you. Maybe there's some patterns and then some behaviors in your life that have developed and are just not compatible with a godly life. And it's not saying that we have to be perfect, but there is going to be people who evaluate our lives. And if the words that come out of our mouths and the way that we live our life don't match up, people see Christians as hypocrites. And so that's not compatible if we want people to see Jesus coming out of us, but the way we live our lives don't match up. People need to see God coming through us. The, the, the Bible tells us to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We want to be overflowing so that he is oozing out of us. And so when people interact with us and that they see us, they see the God that we worship coming out of us. You know, your neighbors need to see how you react when the storms of life come. And you face them with, with, with hope and with courage and with strength that only comes through faith. You know, your work colleagues need to see how you react when you're treated unfairly at work. And you don't get angry and you don't gossip, but instead you pour out grace. Your family needs, your family, your, your, your children, your mom and dad, your brothers and sisters, all your extended family, they need to see how you react when you need provision. And instead of being filled with worry and anxiety, you rest 
in God and you rest that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. When we live our lives like this, when we give ourselves and give ourselves to Jesus as the Lord of our life, the question will inevitably come of why do you believe what you believe? Why do you have faith? When I became a Christian 11 years ago, that is the exact question that I asked the Christians who were in my life. Where I saw something different in them. I, I, I wanted to know what it was that was in their lives which transformed them. And I wanted that for myself. So that first question, is anybody asking about your faith? And then the second question is, are you really ready to explain it? Are you ready to explain what God has done and is doing in your life? Peter urges us to know the reasons as to why we have this hope, why we have this faith, why we believe what we believe. You know, one of the greatest things that God has done for me personally is to give me a purpose. And so when I'm sitting in the barbers or, 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 or whatever and someone asks me what I do and I tell them that I'm a reverend, uh, I can articulate and explain what God has done for me. That he took me from someone who skipped from job to job to job, lasting six weeks, three months at a time, never really happy in anything that I was doing, not having really any joy in my life. And when I became a Christian, I got involved in the local church, I started serving, and I found something that I was passionate about. I found something that I felt was my purpose. I found something that I felt I could give my life to. I found a purpose in what I was doing. I can articulate and explain that. Can you articulate and explain what God has done for you? If God has been your provider, when someone is in need of provision, can you articulate what God has done for you so that it fills them with hope and expectancy that God can and will do the same in their life? If God has been your healer, when you meet someone who needs the healing touch, who has no hope anymore, can you explain what God has done and fill them with the hope that you have? If you can't articulate that, you can practice. You know, I used to be in door-to-door -door sales. I was one of those annoying people that got you up out from the dining table when you were having your dinner. And I would knock on doors and, uh, and sell loads of different things throughout my life. I've sold uh, gas, I've sold electric, I've sold uh, karate lessons door-to-door -door as well. That was one of the more interesting ones amongst other things. And so we used to go out into what we call the field in the afternoon. But all morning we would spend time in the office practicing our, uh, our sales pitch. And what we would do is we would practice our responses of when customers would give, uh, potential customers would give objections. We would then know the reply that we had for them. And so uh, uh, it would take practice and practice and practice, but then eventually we would know the, the, the sort of questions that people would have about the products that we were trying to sell. And so the reason I tell you that story is because don't be afraid to practice. 
As Christians, we, we may want to uh, kind of s- uh, work in a similar way where we have our practice sessions ready for when we are also in the field, ready for ministry opportunities, ready for when people ask us. Don't be afraid to practice the story of what God has done in your life. You may want to write it down and rehearse it. You may want to get with your small group or some Christians that you know and say, let's practice it together. It may sound weird, but it works. You may want to record yourself selfie style and and listen back, send it to people and say, how can I improve? You may want to get in front of a mirror and practice. Because the more you practice, the more ready you will be for when those questions, this readiness comes from being rooted. You can't be ready for this. You can't be ready for this if in life you are not first rooted in your faith, rooted in the Bible, rooted with a consistent prayer life, rooted knowing your identity in God. When you have those staples, when you have have those staples in your life, you can then engage with being ready for what God calls us to be ready with. You can listen and watch back to all of our previous Rooted series to kind of engage with that and learn how we get rooted. Because when we are rooted, we are ready. When we are rooted, we are ready for what the Bible calls us to be ready with. Let me briefly share one final thought with you. And this is a little bit random, but it has some, uh, uh, some point to it. Uh, we are going to watch a, a short video clip. It's about a minute, minute 20 long, of a Spanish non-league football match. There is a reason, I promise, as to why we're going to watch it. But uh, this is the moment all goalkeepers live for. The 90th minute, your team is 1-0 down. You as a goalkeeper run the length of the pitch to get up for that final attack of the game. And then something special happens. Let's watch this video clip together. Javi, la pensará. Ah, no res. Muy curteta. Controla. Arriba Mario. La torna pensa Mario. Carlos Aguayo. Chuta, Aguarros. Historic. Historia, historia. Oh, Carlos Aguayo. Madre mía. King gol al 90 y pico. Qué emoción. Poder vivirlo aquí con todos ustedes en directo. Y ha marcado dos golpes y escola. No. No me lo creo. No me lo creo. No me lo creo. Esto, esto. Es histórico también. Esto es histórico también. Vamos. Impresionante lo que estamos viendo por maestra televisión. 
Brilliant stuff. I, I find that absolutely hilarious. I used to be a goalkeeper. And, and so that was the kind of moment that you dream for, where you take it past the couple uh, and you ping one in to the right post, into the corner. But this goalkeeper had this great moment of victory. And in that moment of victory, he stopped and forgot the purpose that he had in his life. He forgot the job that he was supposed to do. He had this moment and he turns back round towards the goal and he's thinking, I've done it. I've become the hero. Then turns, sees the ball into the back of the net. The other team goes crazy. He forgot the job that he was supposed to do. He took the finger off the pulse for just a couple of seconds and his moment of victory was wasted. We hold this in contrast with, another, with, with a great moment in the Bible from the early points of the gospel. In Matthew 3, we see that Jesus himself gets baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water and gets anointed by God. There was a great moment of victory there, of spiritual authority being pushed over, on, uh, being given to Jesus. And then straight after that, we see Jesus actually goes into the wilderness, goes into this barren land, and he becomes tempted and tested by the devil. But Jesus was rooted in God. Jesus was rooted in the Father. Jesus was rooted in the Scriptures so that he was ready. That's the difference. I mean, there's more than one difference, but that's the difference between Jesus and this Spanish non-league goalkeeper is that Jesus, even after a moment of great victory, was still ready. At that moment, Jesus was able to stand firm in his faith. He was rooted. He had to stand firm in his faith because he was, being, he was fasted for 40 days. He needed God for the provision and the nurture of his body. He was firm in the scriptures because when the devil tried to, uh, 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 when the devil tried to speak the Bible out in an incorrect contact, context against him, Jesus was ready. Jesus was ready because he was rooted. My friends, let us follow the example of Jesus, and let's get rooted in order to be ready. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to gather as the church still. And we want to pray that collectively we are ready, that we don't have those different versions of being ready like we spoke about at the start, but collectively we are ready that we are living our lives in a state of readiness, knowing that if you came back tomorrow, we have done everything you've asked us to do and we've not wasted our lives. We are also ready that we can articulate everything that you've done in our lives, knowing that there is going to be people who see God through us and that we are ready to speak out for your glory and for your honour. Let us be ready in all seasons in all times, for every purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.